forgot we weren't rolling. All right. So we just watched I, this. I think the dialogue on that was good enough that we probably should have played it, but <laughs> we just watched this Southland Tales scene on the beach. I I I think the visuals add something to it, especially his uh, like Yeah, yeah. Well, I that's, mean that's do like comic like do pulp comic nervousness, right? That's all. Right. Yeah, be. yeah. Uh Okay, so it is a scene on the beach at Santa Monica and so there's like a scene, but there's like this giant alien structure out in the ocean or something. It's like not. That? It's like a camera. It's a camera system. It's not an alien. Structure. No, no, no. Behind him, out in the water. Oh, I didn't was... even see that. He wasn't paying attention. I was, I was. You said like pay attention to everything. So like there's oh, this okay. like giant alien structure thing out in the ocean. Oh, I have to take a and, look at it again. Okay. And um, at least that's how I interpret it. It's right at the beginning here. Okay, so he's like cars. drinking out of what's that? Oh wow, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> it's like a. Like a non-completed sphere, right? I mean, there's... Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I have no idea. Anyway, <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Okay. <laughs> you told me to notice it. <laughs> no, I, I was I, I was saying like this part, because yeah. I mean, I, if you didn't see this... I, saw that, I saw that the okay. first time, Okay. but I didn't see the alien structure yeah, thing okay. the first time. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, so this woman comes up to him, and she's dressed like a... Comes up to the rock. Comes up to the rock, and she's dressed like... A housewife from the fifties, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she says to him something that feels like as out of a spy movie or or a Indiana Jones like thing, where it's like they found you something about they found something in desert and they're going to blame it on you. And then there's this weird like flashbacks and stuff on the screen. Mm-hmm. It doesn't interrupt the scene, but it interrupts the visuals because the sound from the scene is still there mm-hmm. for the most part, but. There's visuals and some extra sound coming in. And then he says, like, he he's... There's some weird dialogue, and, and then about halfway through the scene turns, she says, like, they're watching us. Then she takes out a gun, puts it to her head, and says, I want to suck your dick. I'm going to shoot myself if, if I don't get to suck your dick. And this is where The Rock then turns into, like... It's weird. Yeah, it does that nervous, like... Yeah, comic nervousness. Yeah. He's, like, tapping his fingers together, like, and chattering his teeth. Yeah. And he tries to arrange a hookup, and then she gets shot. That's more or less the scene. But it's weird. I like the premise. And like I said, it's like it's like it was in a comedy, like a Tim and Eric sketch or something. It's, it's I like the premise up until the whole suicide, let me suck your dick thing. Because I, I could see this, like... If it was well done, if an ironic like, type thing, yeah. If it was like, okay, so The Rock's known for doing these popcorn movies that have no substance to mm-hmm. them, right? Let's put him on this wild MacGuffin type, you know, crazy setup, and then, you know, do an American Vandal type thing where the commentary is about something else, right? That's what I saw getting set up. I, I saw it more of as like I, I thought it was going to be more like a. So the way I saw it is there was there were people saying that this movie was terrible and then they showed this clip from it, and I, and then people were like, "What the hell is going on in there?" And I was like, um, "I don't know because I don't know whether it's it, so that's that's a real movie." Yeah, yeah, it's a real movie. I don't know whether it's supposed to be taken seriously. When when I first thought, I thought this was supposed to be taken seriously. I thought this is terrible because it's supposed to be taken seriously. Then it changed, and I was like, "No, this is." 
like at first then that really wasn't i mean that felt more like a See, that's not how i saw it at all I don't, the first time i, I mean up until we well, didn't have the context i did so yeah up until the the whole gun pulling out it was like oh it's the rock super superhero type guy which was it was too cheesy for that it was it was too over the top but it, i i could it it felt it was going to be a comedy about... As a comedy, it would work, but it felt that right. it's. I thought it was supposed to be a serious movie. So oh, no, I saw it as almost like a um, Seth Rogen esque. Yes, yes, type a weed but comedy. Let's yeah. let's take the Rock. This is the end. Type make sure thing. he can yes. la- make sure he can laugh can about totally, himself. I can totally see that. This is the end type story with the Rock. And I, that would work. Mm-hmm. I think The Rock is a charismatic enough actor to 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 make that work. Right, and he knows where you know he knows he makes his paychecks doing yeah. this ridiculous shit. And I think I've seen him make fun of himself before. Oh sure, and, and so. I think the best work I've ever seen the Dwayne Johnson do is on Saturday Night Live. He is great on okay. Saturday Night Live. He's a great. I mean, he's a fantastic performer. That that's what he does. You know, that that's how he got famous. Uh, speaking of Seth Rogen, I recently watched on Netflix the one of the hilarity for charities. I think there's probably only one on Netflix, but it's a it's an Alzheimer's. Are you doing the Rick and Mo- the Justin Roiland thing? Oh, that yeah, <laughs> that was a good part. But you could like so many of the sketch ideas were like just barely funny mm-hmm. because they were so high when they came up with them. The weird thing is like all of the stoner. The quote unquote stoner comedy is the good ones, people aren't high when they write them. Yeah. Because, and then they say that, you know, no, we didn't write this when we were high. Like, maybe we can with the the, gen, the germ of an idea when we were high. We right. wrote this when we yeah, were You wrote Harold and Kumar yeah. sober. Yeah, you write it sober because that way things make sense and you can, like, the ideas are the funny parts, but you have to link the ideas together into a story or else it's just a bunch of ideas being thrown out there and they can be the funniest ideas in the world if they're not cohesive then it's not going to work yeah it's like you know several did you have you seen this i i I only saw the clip of him introducing and then like laughing because it's clear he didn't even know what the heck was going to be doing and from the justin part of the time he was there for the fun and they had um um sasha baron cohen do um Planet Earth guy. Um, Planet Earth. Oh, oh, oh uh, David Attenborough. David Attenborough. And but you know, so, but they were watching the stoner Seth Rogen. You know, the the oh, like stonerous Judaica, Judaicus or whatever they call. You know, and I don't know. It just I've seen I've seen uh, Sasha Baron Cohen be so much funnier. I've seen you know. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. They're just. It's just like when he has good writers, you know. Yeah. Um, or they take their time. So there are two interesting articles I saw in the Times. The Times is great science reporting, by the way. Um, this was really cool. This is an article about uh, people when people are repeatedly exposed to bitter compounds in a study, their saliva changed to produce proteins that rendered those flavors more palatable. Huh. It's an idea that. So it's not just a, a climate. I mean, it's, it's not it's, just. The nerves or your your uh, brain adapting, your body is also adapting by making them more palatable for you, huh. which is and it probably awesome. count, it probably counts for beer too. Probably, I mean, if it counts yeah. for greens, yeah. 
why wouldn't it count for beer as well? And it's the kind of thing that when you think about it, like, yeah, it kind of makes sense, right? Yeah, no, it makes makes sense. I wouldn't like we've talked about before how it's exercise to, but I always thought I always meant it as exercise in the plasticity of your brain, plasticity of your brain, not in training your body to metabolize right. well, the flavors your, differently. Your body is your body and your brain are t- are the same thing right mm-hmm. and and your brain may be telling your body to do this as a way to as a way to adapt i mean like it's it, it's all it's all connected it might, it right might not so go, might not go back that far i mean things are you know pretty crazily disconnected too that's I mean, true when you said your body and your brain are the same thing well no, your body's a bunch of cells and your brain's a bunch of cells well, and your things, body yeah. your brain is part of your body I mean, oh, sure. it's not like your brain is a separate thing. Your brain is an organ in your body. Right. But this kind of thing where you're taking in chemical inputs and synthesizing different outputs, that might not go back to the brain. I don't know. It, it's... That could just be the... No, I I, I, I think it's a two-way street. Okay. I, I think it's... I, I think there there's some... And and you have to read the article, of course, to get you know the the, the full scope. Mm-hmm. And then go go if you want to go deeper, read the papers, uh, which I didn't do. But my suspicion. So this is just off the cuff. I'm not a biologist, you know. Mm-hmm. I know particle physics. <laughs> that does not make me qualified to understand biology in the least, uh, other than like a cursory understanding. <laughs> so don't listen to me about about this stuff. You know, do your own research. Um, well, that should be the same. That's, that should be the thing you do for everything. But I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't take me as a separate energy here. waves from Antarctica. I, I would not take me as an authority here. But it seems to me like your brain and your body are, you know, they're part. They're two parts of the same system. Mm-hmm. If you. It's not like your skin has its own brain. If you start to deal with hot things, you're going to form more calluses more often. And some of that might be your brain telling like your skin to... Because it recognizes that I mean, certain things are being damaged more often. I, I haven't done the research. I would think things like calluses would be a, a job of the local system. Entirely local. That, that's my intuition. Uh, see, I, I, okay. So think about, hmm. think about auditory stuff. Then, uh, your brain filters out certain audio. Uh, we know that your your ears are probably always constantly ringing, but you don't hear it because your brain filters oh, out. Oh, I, I hear it. <laughs> your brain filters out your heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um. Apparently, you can really hear your heartbeat and your blood flowing if you go into an anechoic uh, chamber. chamber. Yeah. One of those chambers, for those who don't know. I, I that, the, that's what I should try to line up the next time out and run yeah. as I charge. Try yeah, to. that's right. Microsoft has has these, the most. Is it the most? Yes, it is the number one as far as I know. Oh, I gotta line yeah. that up. So, so uh, it's a chamber that is built to, def- to, to dampen all all uh echo all any, reverberation any sound that's emitted and hits the chamber walls it's hits these facets that kind of t- 
tuck the sound away inside. Right. Like they it, bounce it away or absorb it. Yeah. Uh, so I've st- I've I remember seeing a video of Stephen Fry in one of these popping a balloon. Mm-hmm. And I was like. <laughs> It's like nothing. <laughs> Only the sound that directly hit the microphone. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you didn't hear any of the reverberation mm-hmm. from it. Uh, I, I I've heard things like you know you can hear the blood whooshing, mm-hmm. and so your brain filters out these things. Uh, but over time, does it tell your eardrum to adapt in a certain way or does it send chemicals to your eardrum to adapt in a certain way i think your ears are a bit different right because like things don't regenerate there like kids hear better than adults right and you know so okay. that's a system that breaks but, down you know kids taste like, better than adults too so i mean it, yeah th- i think kid, i know. think ears and teeth are different than calluses and saliva you know i'm talking my intuition right right where ears and teeth one and done they get worse over time. You know, calluses come and go. I think this, I would say this whole, your saliva can metabolize greens into more tasty compounds. Um, same kind of thing. Uh, capsaicin tolerance, right, comes and goes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, and that could be a saliva thing. That would be interesting to test. If that, if there's a saliva thing. I'd be curious if it, if it was a, a physical thing or just a nervous nerve thing. If, if it's purely a brain thing or if there's some combination. Yeah. I think that that's the key is, is that there's a combination here. It's not. Oh, I'm not yeah, arguing that yeah. it's not. No, no, no. I think we, you know, we both, we both yeah. see that. But, I, but I'm wondering whether, whether I don't think that the tongue is the only place this takes place. I, I, I would. You know? I would say that I would. Much less be inclined that calluses are okay. What about what about tanning? I think that's local. I think entirely. Yeah, I think that's your body adapts to it. Though I mean, the whole your whole system adapts to you tanning. Whole system. Yeah, your whole the largest organ in your body, your your skin. Right, but okay. So say you got put. Say you did tanning experiment where you only exposed, um, you know, a square inch of your skin. The sun. Yeah. I would expect that you would find more melanin proteins throughout your skin. Well, I think, I think okay, I think there's probably a network. I don't think it's from your central nervous system, though. I think it's more of a... It's probably Why wouldn't of, there it's be... It's probably more of the circulatory system at that well, point. No, well, okay, so it's like the guys building the roads probably don't ever talk to the governor but in some way well, that that, okay. that that money gets through some right. bill I, somewhere. I, I would think the chemicals that one part of your skin would send to the rest of your skin or other parts of your skin locally that would be circulatory not nervous. okay so then think about this as, as, a, as a local phenomenon you're you're because that's all chemical based so, so think about really... this 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 yeah. thing with the tongue sure. and your mm-hmm. greens is a local yeah. phenomenon your tongue recognizes bitter compounds locally mm-hmm. and it it comes up with compounds to cessate them which means that there isn't as much communication under your model with because if the skin if all this stuff there's no reason for the tongue to to be uh, not as disassociated as the skin, as far as I. Other right. it's like I mean, you can say it's closer, but I mean. Well, no, I mean for me, this head. is okay. So they want. So this isn't, this isn't your body trying to make you eat healthier things, right? This is your body 
adapting. Making the... But, like, evolutionary. Like, okay, so in a situation where food is scarce, right? And all you can eat is greens. Mm-hmm. You know, it's bitter, nasty. Like, it's charred. All you can eat is charred. Mm-hmm. Oh, you found a charred patch, and you can't catch a buffalo. Right. You know, and you're eating charred. You know, why would your body... Well, so this? just like your skin, if, 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 uh-huh. if, like you're saying, your skin understands on, on its own level that it's getting more sun, mm-hmm. it's going to death. Maybe your tongue does that too and it doesn't involve your brain. By by your reasoning, that would be the same thing. Yeah, I, I mean, in this specific case, I'm not willing to argue that there's not a plasticity thing to make greens taste better. I'm, I would be more willing to try to argue. My intuition, I'll say, my intuition tells me that... I think it's because... You have a more direct sensory thing with your tongue. I don't know. I mean, it's not really a sense of touch. You know, the. I mean, it is similar that it could be like a protective mechanism, right? The the metabolizing greens versus creating melatonin. Melatonin, sorry. Melan- uh. Melatonin. Mel- no, no, melatonin no, is sleep, not melatonin. Uh, it's melanin. 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 That's it. <laughs> I knew melatonin wasn't right. Um, melanin. Um, they're, they could both be considered protective things, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but how you sense like the output, right? Like, I don't know. Okay. Evolutionary, right? Like what line of humans didn't procreate because greens were too bitter? You know, that's the question, <laughs> right? <laughs> Cause they weren't synthesizing this material to make greens uh, taste better. Um, this doesn't necessarily be human. It says this is probably not humans, right? This is probably is mammalian or further back a tra- a trait like this. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, but you got it would only be in herbivores and omnivores, or I don't know. Why not? Well, why because if you're a cat, you're not going to keep this. Gene but you going. may ad- you may adapt to different. Um, to different types of meat that that you might need different proteins yeah. for, um, I guess I'm just thinking if you're a if you're something like a cat, you, you know, you're not. And I would not. I, it would not shock me if you if you put cats onto an island with only vegetation. If you've some cats managed to survive, and you formed a lineage of cats that were not obligate carnivores. Yeah, but you're putting a huge pressure on. You can make a huge and an, an immense selection pressure on them. Absolutely. But that I'm sure those traits that, are there. That, that's the same as the 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 piece of grass growing out of the crack in the asphalt, right? It's like <laughs> they can do it, but only because like they were dealt a really shitty lot in life. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, left with own devices, that piece of grass would take over the world if there was no competition. Um, no, I, I don't know. It's I, I'm having fun having the yeah, conversation. Yeah. I don't know if it can go much further, yeah. but you no, know, it's fascinating that eating bitter compound bitter compounds caused a biological change, yeah. not just a neurological change. Yeah, I think that we it's too easy for us to just think our brains are running things, and our bodies are our bodies are our brains. For I mean, our, our brains are parts of our bodies. First of all, but second of all, our bodies are 
to you take your point our bodies are, are systems in themselves that do their own thing and they mm-hmm. are very much in their own sense aware of what's happening to them or, well, to and then them. like you know what is yourself right it's it's not it's not one guy at a control panel right it's yeah, a it's, bunch it's, of it's this completely federated system mm-hmm. yeah f- for sure you know that, where you, that... have, you have an executive function but you have all these things that are completely federated that you have no control yeah, over. the deep the deep state of your <laughs> your body i mean it's it's not just your heartbeat i mean it, it, it's fascinating like I, I i always think of this when i have something when i have habaneros or something really spicy and you know like after an hour after i'm done eating i still taste the habaneros mm-hmm. and are feeling the capsaicin down in my stomach where like the stomach taste buds are on point right yeah, yeah and i just love that i love getting that kind of endorphin thing all that time later and then you know it makes me think about how like it's just this big system of federated entities or some of those bugs that you're in your stomach are like yes and some of them like no you know most of them are no but maybe i that whole um protective response thing is what gives you the you you put some selection pressure on the stuff in your stomach so I'm I'm guessing that most of them are probably okay with it. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's like, uh, got to put the tarp over. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh so the next link I had because we talked about this before kind of um remember the the thing with the metallic hydrogen that was oh, in the okay. diamond devices? Yeah. yeah. So the diamond anvils right. pressing hydrogen and the anvils almost always broke, but they right. thought they had. They thought hydrogen. they had it. Scientists at uh, the place that was doing the the, the uh, national ignition facility that is trying is also doing the thing where it's trying to make um, compressed fusion with the mm-hmm. lasers is also trying to do experiments with with hydrogen because they can use that as a compression system to to uh, attempt to make the huge amounts mm-hmm. of pressure on hydrogen. And uh, they've apparently um, got got it. They, or at least briefly, they were mm-hmm. able to to make some metallic hydrogen. Uh, and so there's interest. I mean, it, it's interesting stuff happening here. So I thought I, I just had the link there because I thought you would enjoy it. So I would recommend to take a look at that. I, I, remind me that it's not stable though, right? It has to remain under pressure. It has to remain under pressure. Yeah. Although the theory is. There, there's at least some theory that if you get it stable, it might remain stable. Like if you get it into a stable enough configuration, mm-hmm. it could remain stable, and then it becomes essentially a room temperature superconductor. Right, the best metal ever. Right, yeah. It, like it, it, it's it's like the, the most useful material possible would be metallic hydrogen for a lot of really. Interesting and complex reasons. Speaking of which, keep talking. Uh, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to keep talking. So, what else has happened recently that is not, like, absurd and dark and terrible? Okay. So, Jeff hasn't used his printer in a while. I wish he hasn't printed anything for me. I want... I'm going to get you those gravity waves. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Um... Here, check this stuff out. This is Velostat. Is this the super black stuff? No, this is... It's, um... It's like... You can use it... Home, homebrew hobbyists are using it for flex sensors. 
So the resistance changes when you press on it or bend it. Oh. So it's a conductive plastic sheet. feels like plastic sheet. And what you can do is you cut strips out of it. You put them on your fingers and make a power glove. Huh. So probably, You could probably use it as a really nice thermocouple. So I saw there's this... Uh, one of the Microsoft things for like classroom education, like in the advanced parts, they had this uh, make basically a Nintendo Power Glove and have it control a robotic hand with servos. Mm-hmm. And it it's broken down into pretty, st- I mean, steps that we can do. So th- I bought the Velostat, so it's an upcoming alley makes. Cool. That reminds me of something that, that I wanted to think about possibly making. I still have to get the dimensions for you so we can make the thing for my room. The curtains? <laughs> the yeah. curtains. Uh, I keep forgetting. But keep forgetting. Anyway, um, how would you go about making uh, a quiz show buzzer system with three buzzers so that the first person that buzzed in would be the only person that would be able to buzz uh, it into a reset? I'm, I'm sure I could do that. I mean, right here on the air, I couldn't. Right, but exactly, I mean, let's 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 just think about it. Like, um, the easiest way overview. would be with an Arduino yeah. microcontroller, right. right? Because then you just write code to say the first buzzer, and then mm-hmm. you'd have to have some kind of back off on resetting the system, right? Yeah, I guess uh, that would be the way is to put it into an IC. Yeah, that's the easiest way. If you wanted to actually do it with circuits and transistors. You could like, gate it, right? I mean, you could Yeah, you could use transistors. some logic gates. And, you could and use just... transistors to do it, I would think. Yeah. I would It would be that would just be that would be an exercise just to prove you could do it. I mean, I can get a cloned Arduino for a buck 50, right? Right. So why try to build it with transistors? Other than learning how to do it. Okay, so all right, so you put an Arduino in there. You attach three. Uh, I guess you you would have. You can use those things that when you hit them, they light up. You can use any contact system you want, right? You can make it with tin foil. You can make. It oh, okay, all right. So do... you have some system that's a switch, and you have some lights yeah, there. Just switch. And you have, well, you have you have three inputs. You mm-hmm. have three outputs. And then, you know, the code would just, you know, lock out the second and third buzzers, right? So only the first buzzer works. It would say whatever is the first that hits it, that then light up that guy's thing until mm-hmm. the reset, and then you wait again. Yeah, and then you, you either have a fourth button to do the reset or just the back off t- a timer, right? right? You know, after 10 seconds. You know, Jeopardy probably has a person who unlocks the buzzers every single question. Yeah, I mean, because I think they have a person that opens them when the last because i think you can only click it once the last syllable is said that's why mm. people have so much trouble with the timing you have to wait till the very last syllable yeah so like i think it was ken jennings who was like in an ama and he said every pretty much everyone on jeopardy knows the answer but it's about getting the timing right okay especially when it gets like with the tour- tournament champion yeah everyone yeah. knows yeah, so, I mean, I would do it with Arduino, just because I wouldn't have to figure out those circuits. But, right. yeah, you could do it with components, you know, like, I would, you know, a couple of transistors. I would have, it would take me several hours to actually draw the circuit, probably. I just and think then you'd have to make the circuit and test the circuit, where with an Arduino, I wire up three switches, I wire up three lights, and write code. You know, it, it would take an hour to do the whole thing. The problem I see with a circuit system is 
Although that really wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> I was thinking about the fact that it's it would be a circuit system necessarily serialized. Well, I mean, but so, it's it, going to go so fast that it won't matter. Well, you could use a trans. Uh, you could use like take away transistors, put in relays. Right. This is helping me imagine it better. But uh, you could also go back to transistors and accomplish the same thing. You could have all three switches be live until a switch is hit, and then it disables the other two switches. Yeah. Right. Right. And and then so you light a light and disable the other two switches. You know that that would be the 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 basic it, like trick route that I would go. It'd be an and and gate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it would turn off the others. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, take away the voltage from the positive side of the other two switches. Mm-hmm. So if the switches are clicked, there's nothing to change. So three and and gates in the system. Yeah, that would that would probably work. Be easier to do with an Arduino. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just—I mean—it's fun to think about the the um, the base. I mean, because all these, like the base Turing system, mm-hmm. right? For for yeah. for doing this, uh, is is interesting to think about, just from a procedural perspective. Yeah, I mean, they make the dome type easy, like buttons. You can get those. Um, you could probably repurpose. Like if you get like three easy buttons from Staples, like everyone uses those for gimmicky mm-hmm. buzzer buttons, right? The, the problem I have with those is that they're not very reliable. Like, yeah. especially if you're hitting them hard or quick yeah. or fast. Yeah, I mean, I have some, I have some arcade buttons over there in the box. They're cheapies. They're not as good yeah. as the ones that are installed in arcade. You know, arcade buttons might be a way to go. They're not quite as big. I mean, I guess there's the big ones, right? Like the, the ones that are like. The ones they use today, like if you're on like the driving game, the boost button, right? That's a big three inch button. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think the best thing would be like a system like Jeopardy, where you have yeah, a, a thing, little a, grip. a little grip, and you have a button on top, and you hit it with your thumb. Yeah, it, it's a little less or a trigger, right? or maybe a trigger. I mean, a trigger would maybe even be faster in terms of response. That'd be an interesting thing to research. Yeah, I, I mean, there must know. be a reason why. I don't have an intuition. Well, I would say the reason for Jeopardy is that, you know, this show's been on the air for right. 25 yeah. years, 30 years, or whatever. And electronics were a lot bigger back then. So they needed the space linearly below the button to do the stuff. Right? Mm-hmm. And a trigger is really... The switch. Well, I mean, if you think of trigger on your like Xbox controller, right? It's an analog switch. Like it's it's not yeah. just on and off. It's right. There are like two hundred fifty five yeah, like, positions. Well, probably ten forty four actually. But um, really, they go that far? That'd be absurd. There'd be no reason to track that much. I mean, that's too much that, data. That's the analog input on an Arduino is ten twenty four for a trigger. Like for, I get for it for analog, I get it for, for analog, analog sticks for analog input. It's, but I'm just thinking. I mean, I guess at this point, data doesn't really matter because. <laughs> It, it, it's really it's it's not ultimately that much data anyway. Yeah. I but mean, I just, it would be. I mean, I'm trying to think. It's probably they probably take five volts and they probably split it into 1,024 slots and measure the voltage. Yeah, yeah, but also like, I mean, I'm just thinking about it from a perspective of if you're a game developer, you're not going to program in 120. Like, you're not going to divide your your 1,024 different states, right? You're gonna you're gonna put that into like three different stages. The, the accelerometer. Uh-huh. On these micro bits, right, is 
Negative 1024 to positive 1024. Sure. So there's 2048 between 180 degrees motion here. Mm -hmm. So I'm just just telling you. But like if you're so like when I was developing the algorithm for steering these battle bots, right? I took the 1024 and I just put in a flat divisor. Sure, no, no. I I divided it by eight, you know, because there was I didn't need that meant that much that fine right because all you need is are, are eight. Degradations that so that's all you really care about ultimately. So when you're developing a game, you only probably would care about two or three different phases of your trigger. Right? You're not yeah. going to care. Well, about you it. wouldn't. You you wouldn't use. I was I, I was only trying to say. I think I I misspoke. I was only trying to say like the Xbox controller has analog. You could put a button there, which is just binary, right, right on yeah. the front. Um. I I think I would go with the thumb, for better feels or you know what you maybe what maybe better than a thumb is just the whole grip like any any just cheat you know make a fist like squeeze your fist mm. well you know what you could even do you could just get three like joysticks and have any of the buttons so they could do yeah. like you could choose whatever that, button that's, yeah that's that's overkill i mean with 3D printer, you can print a Jeopardy controller yeah. like super easy. I like, suppose, right? I just think it would be fun to host a Jeopardy game. It would be fun to play in Jeopardy game too, but also be really fun to host. Mm-hmm. To be the Alex Trebek. Yeah. You could, I mean, if you wanted to do just software, you could probably create such a thing in like a. Uh, how would you make multiple phones talk to each other, like, and lock each other out? I, I think you just have, like, three phones, right, where you just hit the button on the phone. Right? Yeah, but I'd be worried about the timing on those things. It's probably it's good paid. enough. It's probably good enough. You know, but they're not giving a million dollars to the winner. You're doing trivia No, night. but, like, part of you is going to be like, oh, I got screwed by the phone. And I'd like to, to have yeah. a, a, as little of that as possible. No, it... it I would I would use an Arduino, a couple buttons. I would print the hand grip, and uh, yeah, that's how I would I would do that that way. Um, there was something uh, quantum mechanic-y I wanted to talk about. Okay, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. Steve, let's talk about Steve. While you're talk talking. about Steve. Give, give the. Uh... All right. So, there is a phenomenon called Steve. It originally didn't wasn't an acronym. It was named after there was a movie in 2006 called Over the Hedge. It was about a bunch of woodland creatures next to a housing development, and I, it's been a while since I've seen the movie, so I don't really recall this exact scene. But there, I think one of the squirrels like. It was talking about the, an unexplained phenomenon mm-hmm. or a godlike thing or something, and he called it Steve. And it's funny, right? Because Steve's a person's name, and you know this. Uh, so anyway, that was in 2006. In 2016, 2017, uh, some people had photographed this thing, kind of like an aurora, but. Not an aurora. It's this long, skinny, purpley, swoopy thing. It happens at certain latitudes. 
Actually, it's more southern latitudes than the aurora. They think it might only happen at certain times of year from the data so far. The thing is, it has something to do with energy up in the sky, um, but scientists don't know what it is. And I found the articles, I read like three articles, and there was something profound to me. Maybe profoundly disturbing that in today's age, there's something like that where scientists are like, we don't know. Profoundly disturbing in a good way? Greg's giving me a weird face, okay. right? In like this good way, like there's still things to discover. But part of me was like, what do you mean I can't go on Wikipedia and find out what this means? <laughs> like, like part of me was that, right? Part of me was like, someone's got to know what this is. And so there was some new research. It's in the news this week because there's some new things saying that it is not ionized particles falling to Earth. It's not like from the ionosphere or something like that. Because they had a certain observation from a certain satellite that was able to exclude one phenomenon mm-hmm. that Steve could have been. Man, and that's no, the man. best we got. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that... And I love it. But I'm like... And I love it because, like, you can get the answer to everything. Yeah, but what you should recognize when you get the answer to everything that it's all a tentative answer. It's all yeah. something sure, that is sure. what we understand now. Yes. And, uh, and there's so few things that you can see with your naked eye and be like, we don't know what that is. I would say there's a bunch of things we can see with our naked eye. We have no idea okay. what it is. No idea. No, no plausible phenomenon. On some phenomenon. level, we have no idea. No plausible phenomenon? Or... Um, no, not no plausible phenomenon. Yeah. There are plenty of plausible phenomenons for Steve, okay. right? Okay. Yeah, uh, I guess you're right. It's, it's just no evidence. Right. No, no evidence. No way to, to tell which way the. Yeah. You know. Okay. All right. But, yeah. Okay. So the articles that I read didn't even propose the leading candidates for the next best Steve. Right. Right. Maybe that's what left me a little bit like we don't have an idea. Well, I, but that to me is the good thing because it, it. Okay, this is a good segue into what it is. I did want to talk about because what was the the big mistake? The huge mistake with string theory was assuming that it was yeah. the right thing right off the bat. Uh, but, you know, it's still like okay, in giant red letters, we don't know what Steve is. Mm-hmm. But it would be nice in the article to have to say. Our leading guess are these four things. But if you don't have a leading guess... Well, right. Then, but then if you don't have a leading guess, then you have like... N- to me, that's very close to having no idea what's causing it. Well, yeah. But right. But it, that's the thing. It's like if we don't even have a good guess on what's causing something we can see with our naked eye. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I, you, I don't... you think that's everywhere. So, yeah. like, okay. What else? Like... Gravity, I guess, huh? I mean, okay. um, sure, but gravity's there all the time, so it's kind of passe. Steve is like rare. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm just shitting out the mouth now. Um, the the latest news on string theory is really interesting uh, because, hmm, um, here, try this stapler now. That's warm and. The bottom of the dregs, it's a little bit stinky. Pretty good still. Yeah, it's pretty good. 
Um, okay. Do you... I don't know how much you remember about string theory or how much you really... I remember... Uh, I'd like to think a reasonable amount. Okay, good. So, uh, so when I talk about the landscape, do you remember what that is? Okay, maybe I don't <laughs> I remember strings vibrating with certain energies, but I don't remember landscape coming into the vocabulary. Uh, do you remember the number 10 to the 500? Is that like the planks? Like no, so the... one of the so in the past fifteen or so years, the fashionable idea has been that all of the various different types of string theories with all these multiple dimensions could be turned into this one single theory that they that ever that they called M theory. Okay, uh, oh, I remember M theory right. because it's it stands for embryo. A membrane and which had nine spatial dimensions at one yeah, time okay. dimension. Sure. but the question of course is we only see four dimensions where are the other six and their answer was folded up mm-hmm. in a particular way in these uh, particular manifolds yeah i remember that and the ways in which they could be folded up were estimated to be on the order of 10 to the 500. 10 to the 500? Yeah. 10 to the negative? No, 10 big. to the... So big. Yeah. That's the number of ways in which you could fold up these, oh, these dimensions. Oh, I thought you meant like scale. Okay. Yeah. And each of these ways you could fold these dimensions is its own theory. It has its own math, you know, it has its own like numbers associated with it. Uh, Okay. And so the the, the idea so it sounds was sounds like we need some observation. Well, the idea was, well, our theory must be in that 10 to the 500. And in fact, maybe all those 10 to the 500 actually exist and we're just one of those and we just happen to be in the one that supports life cuz we are we exist so. And that was used as a way to get get around why are the things the way we are. So that number started to balloon. It didn't really make a lot of news, but that number went from 10 to the 500 to... The last I saw was 10 to the 252,000. So, so they were only off by 251,500. <laughs> Orders of magnitude. So Yes, not, not 252,000, <laughs> but 252,000 orders of magnitude. <laughs> But the newest thing that... I'm more accurate when I say one equals zero than they are. (laughs) Way more accurate. Um, So the latest schism is this idea of a so-called swampland, which is that... All of the string theory vacua, all of these so these landscape, every single one of these landscapes, do not have solutions that work in the type of space that we have. Okay. They don't have so-called de-sitter space solutions. So the entire landscape is untenable. So string theory does not describe reality. Right. At least the landscape version of string theory cannot describe reality. Is this kind of like reality. a... I'm going to bastardize the term. I know it's not applicable, but it's kind of like an NP problem where like, it can't be described in our 
like like we don't have the dimensionality to describe the problem no well well the problem is we don't know string theory anyway i mean they're all they're the the 10 to the 500 and the and it ballooned is that they don't they don't have any way of even calculating any of the numbers in this this was just an estimation of the they don't understand this thing that they're working with and they say the the the, okay so these we've been we've been talking about string theory Mm -hmm. the entire length of the show Mm mm-hmm no, not the entire length of the show. We just started like five minutes, five minutes ago. Well, no, I mean, oh, okay, for ten yes, years. Yeah. Yes, no, thirteen years, right? right. String theory, thirteen, two thousand five, yeah. was an exciting new frontier, and you were not shitting on it right away. No, I was. I was pretty much not the very first time. Like, oh, oh Brian I... Green's amazing. He can suck my cock. I didn't. I don't, I don't know if I was that far, but I, <laughs> no. I definitely know there, there was a, there was a time when I was interested in it. But the more I learned about it, and yeah. the more I learned about physics, the more I started to be suspect about. Wait no, a minute, there's sure. nothing here. No, because no. everything but else no. has data. Day, day one, you know, June third, two thousand, or okay, three weeks in, whatever that first pre-show was, first post-show was. Yeah, why wouldn't I? I mean, yeah. it's 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 being popularized. It's yeah. the thing that's out right. there as next. No, I'm not saying you're a dummy for doing that. Right. I'm just saying you know, there's been you know, string theory is nothing new in our drunken conversations, mm-hmm. and oh, shit, where was I going with this? <laughs> Are you, are you saying that I've gone? I've gone no. ever more. I mean, because no, I know I wasn't making a critique on you so much. I was maybe a critique on string theory. It's gotten less and less plausible as time has gone on. I mean, it's been this whole. You've been on the. There's no evidence since like the day after we first talked about it. You know, so. <laughs> um, I think it's I okay. Mean, so here's here's what I'm gonna say to you, like. People working on this still. Mm-hmm. It, it's likely they're still scientists, not religious zealots, right? I think that uh, I think you could make the argument that they're one and the same. I, I lately, my idea about the difference between religion and science is is, is a lot more nuanced than it used to be. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, but I, I would say that especially the people who who really embrace string theory do it with a religious fervor. Is there any string theorists that aren't? That's oh that's, yeah, plenty. Okay, tons. Those are the ones I want to hear about. Those, yeah, I don't want to hear about the people that have are, bought into it that are that are, that bending, are gospel that are that are making ten to the two hundred fifty one thousandth excuses right yeah i want the people that have a reasonable um story on why they're still pursuing string theory i think that the reasonable there is an absolutely reasonable and uh, very relevant case to be made that string theory has been a very interesting piece of math there's a lot of really new interesting math that has been has come out of string theory. But physics has always been to me about reality, not just math. Mm -hmm. It's where math and reality intersect that's interesting to me, not so much just the pure math part. Right. Well, we talk about the the scales of a string is not observable and stuff like that. Right. 
for the string theorists to do themselves a service, they need to... Well, string theory doesn't have strings in anymore. <laughs> That's the thing they want to tell you. They have M's, right? Or brain. right. They have brains now. Uh, it's... it's, it's, it's I, I haven't really kept up with it, but I know that like as as little as like six years ago, I was reading about how string theory doesn't have strings anymore. That that explanation it had brains about six years. It ago. had brains. I think those still maybe exist in some sort of bulk concept way, uh, but it's not okay. So yeah. all right, all right. So here, let's explore this for a second. Yeah. String theory doesn't have strings. May or may not have brains. Loop quantum have... gravity doesn't have loops in it anymore. It has... It's, it's... <laughs> Are, As these things get more, are we? So you mentioned we're developing mathematics. Yeah, is the mathematics we're developing broadening our understanding of the universe? Of the universe, is it? Is it eliminating? Is it? Oh, it may not be showing us things, but is it at least eliminating things? Like, are we expanding our knowledge with this pursuit? Well, let's let's understand what math is first. Math is a series of postulates and the consequences of how those postulates interact with each other. And it's the study of that. Uh, and yes, the ways that these that, that very small, simple rules can interact with each other can be very, very complex. Uh, ex- an excellent example of that is tree. Tree one has... I think one, right? Mm-hmm. Tree two is three. Tree three is a bigger the number than number. <laughs> and it's just a very simple just algorithm about three options and making these trees with them. Uh, and how many different possible options you can make. Oh, I love giants. <laughs> I don't get them, but I love giants. So if you if just three options gives you a number that is ridiculous in terms of the interaction space, then if you have a hundred concepts, you can imagine mm-hmm. how big the concept space is. So, and we have explored that the, the amount of space that we have explored in that little bit of how those a hundred things interact with each other or a thousand, whatever is as if there was nothing, as if we've explored nothing compared to the all possible space of, of possibilities. Do you think coming up with like all of these, doing all of the thought experiments, coming up with all these theories, all these mathematical possibilities, is it good? Is it better in the embitterment of knowledge? Yes. Because we talked about this a couple weeks yes. ago. Talked about this a couple weeks ago, right? Like, what, like, you know, it's that whole, you know, not religious. No, yeah, you're asking, you're asking a moral question, really. You're asking, because you're asking, is it good? Not, is it, does it contribute to knowledge? But you're asking, is it good? Good good is, good was a loaded question with what conversation we had a couple weeks ago. Whereas, like, what do I want to humans to do right? sure and you took this very pessimistic oh humans are just part of the me- you know the stuff right? you know? and, I, I, and for I, me it's I, like I, I, what... I wouldn't say it was pessimistic i would say it was realistic realistic right right yes and i'm optimistic right i i i you know hey i don't expect any kind of pearly gates 
in omniscience like the one time like i was wishing oh i hope there's an omniscience when i die it'd be great you know and uh let me see if if i if i can answer your question but like you know like what is our legacy and i feel that like the important legacy for the human race and we're i think this is in the conversation about like what is the human race the human race is always changing what will the human race be in three thousand years you know that kind of thing right i think that's where we're talking about this and for me it's like okay what is the consistent thing what what does it mean to be part of humanity? Okay, okay. Well, and to, and yeah, I yeah. think what we decided upon, what I settled upon was our knowledge base. So let me see if I can answer that question in a way that satisfies you, uh, but embraces the larger picture. Uh, there are, there's a site online that you can go to that is a database of every possible picture of 256 pixels by 256 pixels of 256 pixels of color because it's procedurally generated. Mm-hmm. It's it, the, the the data doesn't actually exist, but you can recreate any image of that size. Yeah, it's a couple gigabytes big, right? It's Be, because all you have to do is sort of define each mm-hmm. position space. But essentially that entire position space exists. Let's, so let's say you increase that to say um, a very large canvas size and you have a huge amount of colors, the space in which pictures can be in that space is enormous, right? The number right. of possible versions. Right. So but the ones that for, we... For example, take a 4K TV with mm-hmm. 16 million colors and do the same thing. Right. And it's, it, the amount of storage that it takes to store all those pictures... Can you even compute all those pictures? Right. So there's a space of that that is huge and uncomputable. But we still celebrate things like the Mona Lisa. We still celebrate Im- mm-hmm. pieces of art that influence us, even though you could create them, in theory, out of just random data. I mean, it's, it's one of the possibilities that exists in this space of possibilities. Sure. So the moral question comes into play when you ask is it good and i would say the answer is yes because this is what great societies do Mm -hmm. they explore that space they explore what's there they find the meaning in the possible options that are out there in these spaces be it art be it music be it math that as a societal function is possibly the most important thing Mm -hmm. that I think we can do from a moral perspective. Just open ourselves up to the possibilities and to what it leads to. Yes, that is good to do. To explore these things is a primary drive. To to see the possibilities and to see how we can interact with mm-hmm. them is a primary drive. So I would say yes, it's a good thing. Regardless of whether it finds something or not. Regardless right. of whether it reflects something right. in reality completely. And I guess there's probably a little bit to be said about ignoring evidence, right? Like if you're pursuing this with religious fervor, that kind of indicates that you might 
you would do it for longer than the evidence yeah. should indicate. Yeah, should. I forget who it was. I want to say it's Freeman Dyson who says who said that uh, uh, physics precedes physics. Uh, physics advances at the pace of funerals, meaning that. P- big influencers have to die before the new ideas mm-hmm. can really come out, and there's something to that. Yeah, people can't think outside the box enough. People can't think outside the box enough. People are set in their ways. I, I mean, people. I would. I would think that you know, we are open to new evidence and new ways of thinking. You and I. Sure. But we might not be. Able to take the perspective. No, no, I, I think that there's definitely things that would that that I would reject out of hand, even if they were presented in front of me. Really? Uh, yeah. If you had the evidence. Well, it, it would. It absolutely initially I would reject it out of hand. I mean, it would take. I, I think I, I, I want to believe that you could convince me over time if the evidence was absolutely there. But if you said to me, "Look, these guys have." Look, the EM drive works. There's one report out here. I would not buy it. <laughs> I would need a lot more evidence for me to to take well, that into that's whole extraordinary claim needs extraordinary evidence. Right, that's what right? I'm saying. You so know, it's the same thing. If you like, plop, oh, look, there's a god right there. You if know? you plopped an EM drive in front of me and said, look, it works, I would not accept it. An EM drive or a deity? Right, either one. I would not immediately accept it. I don't think I have it in me to be that, quote-unquote, open-minded. I'm going to doubt, I'm going to question, and I'm going to need evidence to be piled upon me. And there are so probably... So if we got God on a, the show as a guest host, sitting right there in his flowing white robe, you wouldn't be convinced right away. No, it would take a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it would take a lot. Uh, it would It would take... No, I mean, it would, it would take a serious, like... It would take a serious... Some parlor tricks? He'd have to do some parlor tricks? It would take a serious deconstruction of the world. <laughs> For me to to get in that space. No, seriously, it's like for me to accept that uh, evolution didn't happen, for example, Mm -hmm. or deep time didn't happen. Sure, there would have to be so much, so much. I'd have to see an incredible amount of the world falling apart. Sure, for me to. Accept that because everything oh, I, I know is I built. I wasn't talking about biblical God, I guess, but okay. Everything I know is built on yeah. that edifice, yeah. right? So all that is going to have to be torn down in order for me to start accepting, just to start building the new platform. I'm not going to just yeah. dump. Uh, and I think that's the way people are. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to think that, as a general rule, I'm more willing to go for things. I think that I am in certain cases and probably not in other cases. Uh, and Yeah, you definitely have inclinations right. and things you're willing to accept, right? But that that part of me analyzing myself and seeing my own biases is the stuff that I try to avoid, right? That's the stuff that I try to take out of the equation when we look at things. Uh, and I'm not always successful, but that is the, I mean, I think that that is the core of the scientific method is mm-hmm. act as if you aren't there. Act as if the, mm-hmm. do everything you can to remove yourself from the equation uh, and observe without interacting. Mm-hmm. 
And this leads to quantum mechanics where that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, okay, so, like, how well do you understand the double slit experiment? I, I think fairly well. So I, I could recite it to you. Yeah, yeah. So there, there's like there's people who would argue, some very well educated people who I respect who would argue that consciousness is a major part of quantum mechanics. I just don't see that as being the case. Yes, it's true that if we it, okay so. Consciousness is part of quantum mechanics in what way? In what what we perceive is not capable of perceiving the perception of quantum mechanics? No, no, no. Or no. that... Deeper, deeper than that. In the case that the... What we call the collapse of the wave function is due entirely to consciousness. So if you don't have a human looking at it, then there's no collapse. I mean, that's kind of... We already know that. Okay. So, so how is... Okay. So is there any way to observe something without consciousness? Oh, the, the question, I guess the question of what observation is. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and to me, I think that the, the, the best way to find information or to define observation is by information. Observation or measurement is when a system exchanges information with another system. Because a photon when a can... system exchanges information with another system and one of them is paying attention? I mean... <laughs> well, no, because if in order for the exchange to happen, it has to be an exchange. Well, it's... sure, but you have, you have the, the hammer hitting the radioactive vial and killing the cat, but they're exchanging information, but the cat's not dead until you observe it. Well, because you haven't exchanged information with it, so... Right, but all those other things are already exchanging information, but... Not as far as you know. Well, sure, right? Right. So, uh, so I mean, if you think, if you think of the double slit experiment... And that's the, the consciousness part, right? And the idea of... Remember, if you have both slits open... You get the interference pattern. If you ob- try to observe which one is going through which slit, you get a, not, a bunch up. Mm-hmm. And that's where this, that's kind of where this lies is the act of observation, that's, co- that's consciousness looking at this thing. And that's why it fails because we're consciously doing it. But no, the argument that I would make is you're exchanging information on, on this level here with something else. Sort of like, a whole bunch of photons go through the window and don't get affected. Some of them do and turn into heat, but most of them don't. That's why it's transparent, uh, or or mm-hmm. seems as trans very transparent to us because most of them don't actually exchange information with the medium. Uh, they pass through it and they are diffra- diffracted by it, but there there's not an exchange That's, of information on the quantum level. Diffraction is not an exchange of information? No, because the quantum numbers don't change. Okay. The observables don't change. Whoa. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff uh, was, was playing I with was, some wax. And, and It wasn't wax. It was a piece of wire. I was pull, like stretching the insulation on the wire. 
and the insulation snapped, and I knocked over my beer. Um, the the only thing that uh, there's there's a wave function that is a mathematical thing that we describe, but then there are these factors that are observables that that are the things that we can measure about the system, uh, the, the the eigenvalues of the system, and we can only measure them when, when they're real, and um. In terms of, I mean, by real, I mean real numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 when things are exchanged, when quantum information is exchanged, something is changed in both systems. There's there's a there's an interaction that something exchanged some momentum is exchanged some energy is exchanged some a spin is flipped some quantum information has been okay. transferred that is measurement i'm sorry i only missed half what you were saying and i really okay. wanted i'm sorry spilled the beer but before i spilled the beer i really wanted to know how refraction was not changing quantum information and yeah. you were talking and i wasn't paying attention so okay I it. okay so refraction is uh, in essence uh, the the fact that certain certain energies of waves are more or less likely to be divert divert is not the right answer here to 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 move more slowly through a material with a with a particular uh, permeability okay. based on the various uh, uh, systems that are inside of it. So it can change its path through space and not exchange information with the medium that it's, yes. that it's changing its path through space. Right, right. Yes. See, you understand how that doesn't make sense to me. Right, well, be, because you're thinking about I'm thinking about in order to change your path through space, you need to exchange information. Because you're you're thinking of it from your perspective and not from the perspective of of let's say the individual photons, where they are traveling and and th- they encounter a different area of space that has different electromagnetic permeability, and the ones that are higher energy move through that a little bit differently than the ones that are lower energy. But the individual, it, it, but it's it's just moving through space, and as far as they're concerned, it just it's the same thing. It, it it's it's like, uh, it, it's 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 like a potential well in some sense that they that that some of them are going over, and some of them don't go over. But it's a gauge; they don't care. They don't. The the zero point could be anywhere, right? It's it's not. Um, it's like something going fast past the Earth, or something getting diverted by the Earth's gravity based on how, based on its speed. Uh, individual stuff is different, but ultimately that's just the way that space is arranged. But it's not exchanging information when it. It's only exchanging information from the perspective. It's losing velocity. It's. It's only losing velocity from a from. From some arbitrary I guess, perspective, I guess it's conserved, right? It gains velocity on the way and loses on the way out. It, it, it's and it's only from some arbitrary perspective that that's happening. It's that's not happening from from all perspectives. Uh, 
So, the idea here, and yeah, I, I admit it's complicated, and it's hard for me to explain it uh, in, in a way that is not confusing, but the idea is that, right, light that is moving through here, most of it, uh, in fact, most of it isn't being refracted. Uh, most of it is getting through just fine. Uh, a good deal of it is being refracted to a certain point, but... Um, Mm-hmm. Most of it is getting through just fine. It's yeah, it's complicated. I okay, I, I, right. But but the the point being that the there is not a change in the behavior of the system, just a change in the way in which the system expresses the. I don't know, that's not a good example either. Oh, this is this is really complicated. I'm not doing a very good job of it. Is there a difference between light passing through glass versus light being bent around a black hole? E- Taking a couple of analogies we were just talking about. Yeah, right? yeah. Is there a difference? Yes, probably. Not necessarily. But probably. Because here's the weird thing with light, is that light can actually get changed in, a, in, a, in interesting ways that are not quite like the way so electrons the get changed. the light that doesn't get absorbed by the glass, right? The, absorbed, the, the light that's only refracted and passes through. Right, but light... But there's... So they both change directions. That's the reason I proposed this question, right? Yeah, and the way I'm thinking, the way I'm, I'm starting to realize it is maybe I'm maybe I'm I'm, I'm going down the wrong path here because I'm, I might actually be wrong here because I'm thinking about now a polarizer, and a polarizer is going to affect all the light that's going through it, all the light that's going through it, mm-hmm. and it's not going to. Uh, but what is? But the way that a polarizer is, is is going to do is it's going to not affect the light that is polarize in the direction it, it, it's only going to affect the light that, that is going to get absorbed and the light that that isn't absorbed will go right through so <laughs> you see how you, you see what, what what a what a conundrum i'm in maybe yeah um i don't think i have a good way to answer your question i do think it's a good okay. question all right yeah i'm not sure that the last one's a good question but as in the exchange of information that you proposed right, earlier. Yeah, so. yeah. It's interesting because especially, I mean, the, the double slit experiment is a very interesting experiment, but it's, it's such a abstraction from the reality that we normally in, interface with. Getting yeah. into a super cold system that only, or at least a system that is not really thermally very very thermally active that is then oh i didn't realize that was necessary i thought you could do this it's not absolutely necessary but if you want to get really good data you're going to want to be you want the system to be super cold because then you're going to have less thermal activity uh but no it's not necessary to get the to get the action but if you want to do like the best experiments and and lower your error okay really far then you want to get into a very cold state because you want the least amount of interference from from thermal action because the idea is you don't want things to interfere with the system right you mm-hmm. want the system to be isolated as as isolated as possible from any obs- from any interference in order to 
show that this system is is you know only interfering with itself and not anything else. Mm-hmm. I gotta pee. Okay. Uh, thanks, everybody. We'll uh, talk to you next week. By the way, uh, do you like Friday shows? Yeah, they're probably good. I'm thinking we might want to move towards Fridays. I think then it gives more of the weekend open. I think that can work. I'll let you know. But, like, sometimes Fridays will be taken up, so I don't know how... You know, it's one of those things where it'll be more varied if if we stick to it, but I've been liking the Fridays. It's... Usually, usually doesn't matter to me. I'll okay. let you know when there's conf- conflicts. Cool. See ya.